This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. All right, good afternoon, everyone. I'm very excited to be here. I've been a superhero fan since I was a kid. So what better first conference to present at than one about superheroes? Uh, I'd like to start with a big thanks uh, to my co-writer, Tama, who unfortunately couldn't be here today. Jumping right into it, what, we, what I will aim to look at today is to demonstrate how fan activity, such as the Where's Black Widow and Where's Ray campaigns, as well as the Chewbacca Mum phenomenon, operate as paratexts that influence the way stories and superheroes circulate in the era of social media and heightened network connectivity. Secondly, to explore how access to technology and our increased connectivity facilitates new storytelling processes and changes our expectations around narrative structure. And finally, to analyse these examples and compare how female characters are represented in both the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, and Star Wars Universe. So to begin with, fans have always played an integral role to the popularity and endurance of superhero narratives. Among other things, they're responsible for the the development of collective intelligence, attracting new audiences to a franchise, creating pathways and acting as guides for newcomers to navigate non-linear and complex story worlds, and keeping a franchise within the zeitgeist through ongoing conversation and celebration of a franchise through things like fan fiction. Technology has allowed fan activity to become more visible, more collective and arguably more influential. And at the same time, technology has facilitated large changes in storytelling practices too. Storytellers can now create increasingly complex and cohesive story worlds that span across multiple platforms. And following on from what Bertha was saying earlier on uh, this afternoon, um, Henry Jenkins popularised the term transmedia storytelling, the art of world making, as a way to describe this phenomenon. It's important to note that um, transmedia uh, didn't arrive with the age of the internet. Star Wars is a good example of transmedia occurring before us being socially connected. Uh, however, as Jenkins defines it, transmedia is where stories unfold across multiple, multiple media platforms, with each new text making a distinct and valuable contribution to the whole, and each medium doing what it does best. So both the MCU and Star Wars universes function as transmedia story worlds. I, I would argue that Jenkins' original model was somewhat utopian in suggesting that narratives held on each platform would contribute in equal parts to an overall meta-narrative or story world. And in 2014, Jenkins himself um, followed on from the term coined by Brian Burke from Bad Robot that Hollywood has shifted towards a mothership approach. That is, the focus is on one core property that may be extended across other platforms depending on the market response. And what we've seen is that this scholarly model has started to become uh, adopted within the industry, but it is restricted by preceding industrial practices uh, and preferences for around marketing. So, for instance, in both the MCU and Star Wars universes, the driving platform for each Uh, are the films. They form the mothership texts. However, the basic rules of Jenkins' original definition still do apply, uh, and and it is still most important to observe narrative integrity across platforms. Uh, What also hasn't changed is the importance and inevitability of fan interaction and participation in the construction of these transmedia story worlds. So Starlight Runner CEO Jeff Gomez notes that good transmedia implementation requires an architecture for dialogue, And what he means by this is that uh, many franchise producers are still realising the importance of fan participation, the reality that uh, fan interaction is essential 
within the transmedia model, not only because it's a way to maintain audience interest, um, but more importantly, it's unavoidable in the age of the internet. Which leads to my next point, paratexts. So paratexts are ostensibly peripheral elements that surround a text, such as behind-the-scenes videos, promos, trailers, and fan-produced content. Jonathan Gray argues that this peripheral content often plays a constitutive role in the production, development, and expansion of a text. Or in other words, that we should consider such content, including that created by fans, part of the overall experience of a narrative story world. So these paratexts uh, created by fans can be both visible to niche communities as well as wider audiences and can provide both initial entry points into a franchise or the continued means to uh, offer an evolving look into the way it functions. It's also worth noting uh, that paratexts won't always necessarily be positive. Uh, so there is the risk that fan discord can also act paratextually and influence the expectations of an effective engagement with franchises. Now, at the same time, we're also witnessing a shift in the nature of popular narrative structure. We're also witnessing a shift in the, the uh, nature of the popular narrative structure. Jeff Gomez argues that the traditional hero's journey narrative structure has been superseded by the collective journey model. Uh, this is something that he's presented formally at Aslite Conference at Curtin University, as well as the National Arts Club in New York uh, earlier this year. So if you're interested in this sort of thing, keep an eye out on medium.com, and he'll be releasing his model uh, in the coming weeks. In Gomez's analysis, the hero's journey uh, was based on our need to tell stories around survival. So they, they were typically linear uh, stories uh, that predominantly featured a male making a personal sacrifice to overcome conflict for the good of the tribe or a community. In these stories, females would typically perform the role of temptress, innocent or goddess, and their role would have little uh, complexity. However, in our connected age, we're starting to see stories that focus on groups of individuals working together to tackle global or systemic issues. In these scenarios, individuals bring their own skills, so the strength of a group is based on the diversity of characters, and therefore women are empowered in these stories too. <clears throat> Anyone can die, but the story can continue, and this reflects a change in our uh, more modern environment where luckily we're not uh, so driven by the need to avoid violence and conflict, but more so concerned about how to access knowledge in complex ways. Uh, this model is a response to the hero's journey in the digital age. And it allows larger, more expansive and ongoing stories to be told. It amplifies non-linear, trans-platform storytelling. Uh, some key examples of this are uh, Orange is the New Black, The Walking Dead and The Game of Thrones. So within these tales, we see a depiction of everyday realities. As there are more stories to tell, we naturally see more, more characters appear. And as a result, audiences are starting to expect that they will see themselves represented in these narratives, including the representation of women. So for storytellers and producers, they must continue to be mindful of the need to maintain narrative integrity across all platforms, not just within a mothership text, as fans will still expect to see this story world cohesion. They must also be mindful of this growing trend towards diversity as an audience expectation within popular narratives as well as the inevitability that fans will participate, whether they're happy or not. So let's jump into some actual examples, beginning with the MCU. So 
In the lead-up to the release of the film Guardians of the Galaxy in July 2014, fans noticed that one of the very few female characters uh, in the movie Gamora was not featured in a majority of the marketing materials or toys. They collected all this evidence uh, together, calling into question Marvel's treatment of female characters. More significantly, in the lead-up to the film uh, Avengers Age of Ultron in uh, April 2015, the hashtag Where's Black Widow drew attention to the character's uh, absence in toys and marketing materials. The interconnectedness of fans allowed this accumulation of, of content to highlight the issue publicly and to start a conversation that put pressure on Marvel. Even the Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo, joined in. So the Where's Black Widow campaign gained more momentum than the previous Gamora one, creating some more powerful paratextual content that suggested Marvel didn't do a very good job of, of handling female characters. And there's a number of reasons for this. The character Black Widow had already been established as a highly capable character in a number of films. She was also a core team member uh, and the only female in the team. So putting out materials without her in it, she, she was noticeably absent, but also uh, fans and, and children were getting content without the complete team there. Upon release of the actual Mothership text, the film, fans were even more critical of the character's representation within the film. They felt she'd been shoehorned into a Beauty and the Beast romance with the Hulk when previously it looked like Captain America or Hawkeye might have been a better suitor. Uh, they felt she'd played a damsel in distress role when she was captured by Ultron later in the, in the movie. And more controversially, the character reveals she's unable to reproduce. And audiences conflated this with her self-identifying as a monster and finding commonality with the Hulk although director Joss Whedon has refuted that that was the intention. But the fact that Joss Whedon was the director uh, was also disappointing in a number of ways, given how uh, his reputation for handling strong, independent female characters. So after the, the release of the film, it reinforced fan belief that the character was not handled well. And all of this activity revealed deeper issues within the broader MCU. So if we have a look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, its development was unprecedented and experimental. Interconnecting this many films and TV shows and other materials at this scale had never been done before. But part of the explanation for the outcry around Black Widow, if you look at them together, each MCU film predominantly adheres to the Joseph Campbell template, and females typically perform the role of temptress, innocent or goddess with little complexity. Black Widow is somewhat of an anomaly, but you'll also remember that even in Iron Man 2, uh, close to when she was introduced, she was shown in her lingerie and viewed at by Tony Stark. So, put together, these films, the um, universe that's created does start to accumulate hallmarks of the collective journey. There are elements of teamwork and everyone playing a role, and the group moving forward against greater threats. However, when you join all this content together, what you also see is that we're 14 films in, and all of the lead characters are white males. So it's no wonder that fans are calling out for more variety in their characters. It's also no surprise that Black Widow topped a recent fan poll for the character fans most want to see receive a solo film. And Marvel has not been able to avoid the conversation. Their executives, storytellers and actors have all, have all had to respond. Since then we have seen some slow progress uh, with new female characters emerging. The film Captain Marvel on the Horizon touted to have a female director and Jessica Jones season two to feature an uh, all-female roster of directors. The state of play is that fans are crying out for diversity, and if Marvel is willing to listen, there's a real opportunity. But let's, have a, let's compare that to what's happening in the Star Wars universe. So in the lead-up to the release of The Force Awakens in December 2015, likewise, the hashtag Where's Ray emerged, 
in response to fans and particularly parents noting the lack of available Ray merchandise and toys, and to a lesser extent, the lack of Captain Phasma merchandise. In particular, the character was omitted from the newest version of Star Wars Monopoly, and given that not only was she a new female character, but she turned out to be the main character, this omission seemed highly notable. Hasbro, who, who manufactures the toys, defended Ray's exclusion from the merchandise uh, as her being involved being spoilerific to the movie. However, there have also been conflicting re uh, reports of insider talk that their plan was to only to market to boys, figuring that uh, female children wouldn't be interested in merchandise and that boys wouldn't be interested in female action figures. And as a result, they led with marketing uh, Kylo Ren. However, Ray's exclusion was publicly questioned by director J.J. Abrams and backed up by actor John Boyega, showing a disconnect between the groups managing these different creative platforms. If we go back and look at the foundations of the Star Wars universe, it epitomises the hero's journey with Luke Skywalker's uh, individual narrative. Likewise, the toys have formed a special core to the Star Wars experience. George Lucas's vision to, uh, to, to commission the manufacturer of so many toys was highly unusual for the time, but it allowed children and fans to explore the Star Wars galaxy far deeper than any franchise before it. So despite there being an obvious lack of female characters, the fact that there were action figures for characters who appeared only briefly in the films indicated that, they, that uh, there were stories and characters that existed beyond the confines of the film. But when you take that, it makes the fact leaving Ray out of the new action figures even more baffling. Like the MCU, the Star Wars narrative has shifted away from the hero's journey towards the collective journey. Uh, and although that did begin as far back as the expanded universe, uh, it's even more pronounced in the slate of new uh, and upcoming films. So if we look at this scenario, the hashtag, the Where's Ray campaign, demonstrates that fans were annoyed that narrative integrity was not being upheld across the platforms. Their outcry also, in a way, praises the mothership text for celebra and celebrates the way that Star Wars is beginning to handle female characters. Hasbro, uh, in response, has vowed to rectify the situation in terms of the merchandise uh, available for Rogue One. And here's one I spotted out in the wild just yesterday. So it looks like they are potentially listening. So when we compare the two, while both are protests about the lack of female toys, in the case of Marvel, it demonstrates uh, a greater weakness within their entire narrative universe, not only the mothership texts. In the case of Star Wars, it reinforces how well Lucasfilm are beginning to approach the universe, and the fan dismay instead comes from the lack of narrative integrity. However, before we gush too much about Star Wars and the recognition of, wo of women, let's take a quick look at the case of the Chewbacca mum. So, earlier this year, uh, Texan mother Candace Payne posted a video of herself in a Chewbacca mask that went incredibly viral. Viral to the point that it broke all sorts of different records. And both Lucasfilm and Hasbro embraced the viral sensation with the Chewbacca mum appearing uh, on a guest spot on the Late Late Show with James Corden, accompanied by J.J. Abrams. She even popped up on the official Star Wars online um, YouTube channel. And Hasbro even unveiled her very own customised action figure. <laughs> However, all of this in tandem with uh, the amount of sponsorship she started receiving soured the experience as far as other fans were concerned. They felt that she was starting to get uh, slightly more preferential treatment. And, uh, and she's since sort of floated away. Looking back, 
we are seeing a cultural shift within superhero culture with audiences and fans calling for greater diversity and representation. And gender is one of those great examples. This is because increased network connectivity and the, uh, allows fans to have a greater voice. It's because of the shift to transmedia narratives and the need to honour narrative integrity ac across platforms, regardless of whether it's a mothership text or not, as well as the emergence of the collective journey model and audiences' expectations that a transmedia franchise will naturally reflect diversity. It's also because fans have the ability to create paratexts that will influence a, a franchise, so producers must listen to fans in order to maintain the integrity of their story world and to positively guide fan interaction. If storytellers are smart enough to listen, expect to see more diversity in popular superhero narratives soon. Thank you. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the Acme website.